I'm going to dismiss Children's Church. That's kindergarten through third grade. Uh, if you guys would follow Alana and David, they will take very good care of you. Uh, would the rest of you join me in praying as we come to our time together this morning? Lord Jesus, we again have come to meet with you, and this will be a different kind of Sunday morning, but we ask that you would be present in every bit of it. I thank you, Lord, for meeting with us in worship and as we uh, hear testimony of what you have done and we pray for what you will do, uh, would you just continue to make your presence known to us, I pray. May you be glorified in all that is said and done here. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of a recap of where we have been over, honestly, the last couple months. Uh, we've been talking about this idea of God's space, uh, that we as his people are to help create space for people to meet with our risen Lord. That as we have interactions with people who don't believe, that it's not just our job to hand them a track and kind of scare them into heaven, but to truly be good listeners and asking questions and some of the different things we've been talking about, to create space for them to be able to explore their faith. A safe place to ask questions, a safe place uh, to have doubts, a safe place to see what God's people are truly like. This is our kind of approach at evangelism. There is always going to be a place for us to know how to clearly present the gospel, whether it's the Romans road or the, uh, the little drawing on a napkin with two cliffs and the cross kind of makes the bridge. You know, There's always room for those, but how we get into those conversations has drastically changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And I believe the new way in, the new way of evangelism, is going to be through creating this kind of space for people. And what that's going to look like very practically in our lives, I think is going to look like what it used to look like in the first century. For, for the longest time, and as we've been talking about this, it became, if you want your friends to know Jesus, invite them to church, and the pastor will give the message, and hopefully they'll come forward at the altar call. But in the early church, what it was is if you love someone and want them to know Jesus, invite them into your home. Invite them into your life. Walk with them on the road. Go to where they are and spend time with them. Allow them to see the gospel in your life and then proclaim it to them. This was the early church's model. And at some point in time in history, we've gotten away from it. But I believe the way forward is to go back. Back to this inviting people into our homes, inviting people to do life with us, that they can see the goodness of God in us, and then they can hear the goodness of God from us. Does this make sense, church? This is what we've been talking about. Our homes are the new front line of evangelism, as I believe they always should have been. And one thing that is vital to this, if we are truly going to see our community come to know Jesus, is we have to reclaim biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality means way more than just kind of hosting a good party. We've turned hospitality into your house looks immaculate so that when people come over, they have a good party and then they leave. Hosting, in that kind of sense, is a piece of hospitality, but it is so much more. Biblical hospitality was way more than just inviting people over for one night, but it was inviting people truly into your home, inviting them into your life. Not, okay, party's over, get out, maybe we'll talk to you next month, but come and do life with us. Come and be a part of us. At some point, hospitality was kind of turned into the, like, was categorized as a spiritual gift. If you've ever taken some of those spiritual gift surveys to kind of help you understand what's my spiritual gift, most of them list hospitality as a spiritual gift. And I'm not saying that it's not. But you don't find it listed as a gift anywhere in the scripture. That, again, doesn't mean that it can't be a gift. Some of us were born just more natural at it. Some of us just have an easier time inviting people in. Some of us really enjoy our own time and space. That's where I tend to find myself. But here's the truth of it. What you find in the scriptures when you look at hospitality is it's something that every single believer is called to. There are some things like Ephesians 4.11 that says some have been called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Kind of these specific roles that not everyone is called to, but God calls some to. 
And what we've done is we've put hospitality in that. Certain people are just way more natural at it. They're better at it than me, and so I'm just going to let them do it, and I'm going to go do the things that I'm good at. But what we find in the scripture is that every single believer is called to have this biblical Christian hospitality that kind of takes the world by storm because they've never seen anything like it before. When you look at the scriptures, you find things like this in 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, be alert excuse me, and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He's saying the end is near. So I'm going to give you the highlights, the things you really got to grab onto because we don't got time to mess around. And one of those that he spends time on is hospitality without grumbling, which is the even tougher part. I will grumble before you come to my house and I'll probably grumble once you leave. That's my natural. When you're there, I'm all smiles. But I'm just being real and maybe some of you are like me. The without grumbling part is tough because I'd rather just be doing my own thing and oh, now we got to do so, so many dishes. How many dishes did they use? Like, I'm selfish. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Again, he's going, look, I'm giving you the highlights, the really important pieces, and hospitality is one of them. There's, there's a number of places where uh, typically the, the Apostle Paul is writing different letters and he's telling them, hey, you need to appoint elders, leaders in the church, men that model what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And in every single list he gives, hospitality is there. First uh, Timothy 3.2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. The elders are supposed to lead the way in hospitality, not because, oh good, someone's got to do it, but because we are all called to it, and God is calling the leaders of the church to model hospitality. This passage has always blown my mind. Hebrews 13, 1-2, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. For living this hospitable life that goes, if I see you in need, I'm coming alongside you. If I see that you need a place to stay, I'll make some room in my house. You need a meal? Come on over. You look lonely? Come spend time with us. By doing so, some have entertained angels. I don't know even what to do with that. How many people heard this from the writer of Hebrews and went, that's what that was? Like, they were just living their lives in the hospital. It's not that they saw an angel on earth. Again, it's hard for us to even grasp and went, whoa, we better invite this one in. It was their regular practice of living hospitality. And by doing so, some even had the blessing of entertaining angels while on earth. That's a tough one. I don't know what that does to your theology, but that's one we don't spend a lot of time on and going, man, do I live the kind of life where there would even be a chance that I accidentally hosted an angel one time. I don't. And I need to. Throughout history, hospitality has been a hallmark of Christianity. We could get into the times of the plagues in Rome when everyone else is leaving the city. And what do the Christians do? They go, these people should not be alone. We're moving in with them. And so they moved into the plague-ridden cities end up dying of the plague themselves because these people should not be alone. Someone needs to take care of them. That's hospitality. I think one day, my conviction is that the church will have some answers to give on how we've handled COVID. And this is not a left-wing, right-wing thing. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not even talking about, did we stop meeting? Should we have met the whole time? What was the, None of that. But did we move away from people? Was, that, was COVID our excuse to go, oh, good, I can finally slow down and do what I want to do. Did we give up hospitality in the midst of it because we had a really good excuse? I think one day we're going to have to answer for that. Not to say, I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, but I've seen the church as a whole pulled back. And I don't think that was our calling. 
Yes, it was scary. Yes, it was dangerous. And I'm not saying we should have run in without masks into the ERs. And No. But did we forsake hospitality because we had a really good excuse? So what I want to do now is I'm going to invite up uh, some people in the church that I have talked to already. I am not going to teach you a ton on hospitality because, quite frankly, I have a ton to learn on hospitality. Uh, and so with the McFaddens and Shirley and the Hayses and, and the Tonys, would you guys come and join me up here? Uh, these are people that I have seen living lives of hospitality kind of regardless of the circumstance. And so what we're going to do is spend some time just asking questions and hearing from them because, quite frankly, they're, far, they're much further along than I am in all of this. And I want to learn from them, and I want you to join with me. So I have some questions that I'm going to ask them, uh, and then we'll open it up for any questions that you may have for them as well. Let's just learn from, in a really practical way what does it mean to be hospitable. I'll give that to you, and let me get out of your way. All right, so first, this one, in, to use my language, is an all-skate. Uh, for everyone up here, what does hospitality look like in your home? It's going to look different for all of us. What does it look like in your home? Well, I can guarantee you it is not the spotless, pristine house. <laughs> um, sometimes people get over to our house and they see the piles of stuff and kids stuff and college stuff and it's okay. Uh, they come in and like, oh, excuse that, don't go in that room, that room, just just keep walking by it, don't, don't even look, we're going back this way. So it's not the pristine house for sure, at least at our place. Maybe your house is a little different, but our house is not pristine. In fact, we're in the middle of a move, so if you come to our house, you're gonna see a whole bunch of boxes piled up in a whole bunch of different places. And you're all invited to our house anytime you want to come. Uh, piggybacking, it's kind of like saying yes and just having an open door. So how, take me as you find me, but you're welcome to whatever I have in the fridge. You're welcome to whatever sheets are on the bed. Here's the linen closet. Um, so just openness and having uh, an attitude of saying yes, even when it might be uncomfortable. I was thinking about this. Um, my husband is also hospitable. He just doesn't love to be up in front of people. So, <laughs> um, But I was thinking about hospitality in our home and... Um, I was, it's just kind of an interesting way to think about it, but maybe it'll help you. Um, I think I am more intentionally hospitable. Like I like to plan doing things in our house and I like to kind of know what we're going to do and how it's going to go and who's coming or whatever. And I think Justin's really good at spontaneous hospitality. Like if a neighbor's out in the yard, he's going to go talk to him. Or um, if somebody needs help, like he'll be there, he'll see them and like go. And I am more planned in my life in general. So it's harder for me to be a spontaneous. Like if somebody comes and asks for help, I'm like, oh gosh, but I have all these things planned. Um, and Justin's really good at spontaneous hospitality. So I thought that was kind of a cool way to think about it if that helps you knowing if you're more intentional or spontaneous. I guess I'll go. Uh, Bree's significantly better at hospitality than me. Um, but yeah, amen is, is right. Um, I think for me, like part of my job is working with um, students. And so, um, but it's, it's still an active choice to see a need and invite them into our house because I know a lot of healing can happen when uh, students who might not grow up, well, I mean, we know statistically that a lot of, a majority of students don't grow but with two parents or even a biological parent. So getting to invite kids into a, a healthy place, <laughs> if you call our house healthy, um, <laughs> is can be just really healing, not even, not even in a quote-unquote spiritual sense, but just in a way to create, hey, this is what family is supposed to look like. Um, and then I'll let Bree talk because she's good at this. Thanks. Um, definitely what everyone has been saying, our house is not clean. We have three kids and um, we used to have a dog that would basically, <laughs> four, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, 
but it it's just it's just absolute madness. I mean, there's a, a good chunk of time where our children are running around half naked and someone stops by and I'm like, excuse me for one second, let me go and get them clothed and um, just being able to be humble and, and be embarrassed on whether it's our behalf or on their behalf, but yeah. So let me let me piggyback on that. A couple of you had said it, and uh, Brian and Bree, I told you guys specifically I was going to ask this question. And the way that I had worded it is, it seems that doesn't everything doesn't need to be perfect for you guys to host. And as I sent that to them, it was like, well, that's not saying you like it's always a mess at your house. Like, not where I'm going with it. But you guys uh, seem to kind of embody that. Take us as we are. You're you're welcome into the mess. And McFadden's, I've seen it with you guys and Tony's. Justin, I've seen it with you, surely not as much, no. Um, but Hayes, start us off, was that something that was just always very natural or did you have to kind of make some intentional decisions to get there? Yeah, I'll go. And Micah knows this. So we, we lived um, at d and for a long time in like a 30 square foot apartment. Uh, and we would have like 30 kids in like this from here to like Shirley. Um, kids were like stacked on top of each other. I mean, there's, there's literally no way to make it look beautiful. Our walls were concrete. And, um, but once it goes back to that, we knew who we wanted to love, right? Like we, we had made it a conscious decision. Um, like we were inviting high school kids into our house and they don't care what our house looks like, right? Um, and I don't really care if they care what our house looks like. My intention is like, I want them to feel loved Therefore, that doesn't depend on what our house looks like. Maybe if you're going after some people that, um, and when I say going after, I mean like pursuing to love. Maybe if you're pursuing some people that that matters, maybe that's a conversation you should have as a family of, hey, we're going to try and get it tidied up. Um, but that didn't matter to them. Like they just, high school and middle school kids, they just want to be loved. The, they just want to know, man, what does my identity look like? Like what is the purpose of me living? And so like, that conversation didn't even need to happen, really. It was just, hey, come to our house. And uh, part of us buying a house was, one, to grow roots here, but also, two, to have a bigger and kind of better space to host a more variety of people. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been incredible. So yeah, here's Bree. Um, for me, it was actually not easy at all. I am definitely a perfectionist and I like nice things and I like things to be tidy. Um, but it, I think just as you get older and grow up yourself, you realize those things really just don't matter that much because like Brian was saying, high school kids don't care. And I've actually found that a lot of adults don't really care either. They are... We're very simple creatures. We just really want to be loved, and we want to be loved by our Heavenly Father, but we also want to extend that and feel that from other people, too. So I have noticed that um, when I am able to humble myself and say, wow, my house is not clean, there are dirty dishes, and I was just folding laundry the other day when some people stopped over, and I was like, well, you get to see that everything's clean at least, but it's all over the house because I'm folding it. Um, so like I, like I said, it was definitely not an easy thing for me, but it's definitely been a good thing for me to learn that it just doesn't have to be perfect. I'll just tag on to that. Um, this was something that I struggled with early on. I, we always wanted people to come into our home and host things and whatnot, but I stressed over getting things picked up and cleaned up. And then I started to realize, <laughs> I think my kids, Micah, can probably vouch for this. I turned into the Wicked Witch of the West to my family, try and probably Steve too, you know, like, pick that up. Don't lay that down. You know, and I realized, I'm like, I'm projecting you know, not hospitality to my children. And I didn't want them to, number one, dread having people come over, and two, have that view that everything had to be perfect when it doesn't. And I started to think of, you know, when I go into someone's houses, I don't, I do not care. In fact, it makes me feel better <laughs> when someone's real and that everything's not perfect. So when I, those, that dawned on me, I really felt there was some growth. I, I think the family probably appreciated it. Now, all, I, I do think most of my kids are pretty hospitable and practicing hospitality in their own lives now. But that was a period of growth. And then also seeing the people into your home that come into your home as family. And that makes a big difference. Church family is family and they know the reality. So that made a difference. So where did you guys learn hospitality? This, again, an all skate. Um, in your home growing up, did you have friends or family that kind of taught you along the way? Where did you learn hospitality? I'll go ahead and start. Um, 
I definitely learned it from my family. Um, my mom grew up in a house uh, that everything had to be perfect. I mean, the kitchen was separate from all of the living space because the kitchen was a mess and no one was allowed in there. And so my mom did not like growing up in that environment, so she flipped it and would invite people over even before the meal was prepared. And you were just a part of that process and you got to talk and hang out. And they loved throwing elaborate parties in the sense that there was always games and if it was summertime, there was always water balloons. And so I have also incorporated that. We just had a gap and there always has to be water balloons when it's over 75 degrees outside. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that's where I definitely learned it. But we actually have a mutual friend where um, his name is JR and we talk about him a lot. We also learned hospitality from him. Do you want to share his? Yeah, JR was my young life leader. Um, he led me to Christ. And his house, like, they had money but their house didn't look like they had money because their basement was just a playground for kids. Uh, like, they literally had... Uh, a fridge set up with, like, off-brand Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper that, like, kids could just go. And there was, like, I think we still have a key to his house, to be honest. Um, and, like, he, we would, people would just go by his house and walk in and just start hanging out. And uh, it wasn't until later on in life I was like, oh, man, he intentionally created a space that wasn't beautiful so that kids could hang out and he could love on them really well. And I was a part of that, and I was really thankful. But, yeah, in, intentionally designing a space for me was something that I'm so grateful for. And as I kind of look back at, man, how do we want to love people well with our house? Um, it doesn't have to be perfect, especially for me. It didn't have to at all. So, I would just say, kind of with the parents coming up, my parents were always had people in the home, but tended to be more everything had to be perfect. Um, and Steve's family were very open-handed with their things. And I just, because my parents were like, you know, it's stewardship and you need to take care of it and you don't, you know, don't do this with it. Don't let this person, you know, play with it or whatnot. Where his family was the total opposite. And I'm like, they're going to let us have that or use that. And if we mess it up, it wasn't a big, you know, big deal. Um, so I, I kind of, I think we blended a little bit being good stewards of things as much as possible, but also living very open-handed um, with it all being the Lord's. Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. You've always had a certain view of stewardship that seems to have guided you in hospitality. There, there's a saying that I've heard you say at least a dozen times. Uh, do you know which one I'm talking about, I assume? Well, I can't tell you. The whole point is if I'm quizzing you. I'm not original to the phrase. I was taught it by someone. So, you know... It, I, ironically, what Bryce is talking about is very often whenever the topic of stewardship comes up, it's usually in a financial giving to the church or the church's use of the resources that it gets. And, you know, we, we pray to be good stewards of what, what is given the governing board to make wise decisions. And, and most of the conversation around stewardship is the, the financial piece of it. Um, but we're huge uh, Lord of the Ring fans, and truly a steward is just somebody who manages other people's things. And so like in, in the Lord of the Rings, there's a steward of Gondor who serves the role of the king while the king isn't there. So they're making governmental decisions, financial decisions, everything in place of the king who's who's really the one in charge. And for us, the stewardship, I mean, it's 100% of what we have is from God. It's all God's anyway. <clears throat> he asks us to give a portion or a tithe to the, to the church to support the ministry. But, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, he leaves you 90% to do whatever you want with it. Well, it's still his 90%. And our attitude has been, it's God's house. If somebody needs God's house that we happen to live in, it's open. If somebody needs to use a car or to use a vehicle for whatever. I mean, it's God's car. And if somebody has a need for it, it's fine. God, take it. And if somebody wrecks our car or wrecks God's car while they're borrowing it, we'll figure out what to do. But it's, you know, it's our house. If somebody, it's our house, it's God's house we're living in. And somebody says, hey, can we have something? Can you open your home? Can this person stay with you? Can you host 
whatever. It's like, well, this is God's house, and if that's the way he wants to use it, it's his anyway. We'll let him use it however he wants to use it. And so it's all his anyway. Um, we just help to manage the things that he's let us be in control of while he's not here on earth yet. Can I go ahead and piggyback off that real quick? I love that because I also think um, a struggle of mine is going into motherhood. I just don't have time, and it's God's time. It's not my time, and I can choose to say, okay, instead I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to do this, but I'm, I'm picking things based off of what I think the time needs to be based off of, and instead with interruptions, and you were talking about Justin loving interruptions and being very hospitable, I have a hard time with that too. Um, but if I can st take a step back with interruptions and say, okay, this is God's timing, not my timing, and I'm going to have to lay aside the duties that I want to do right now and instead focus on a, a person. And yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that has uh, that I've always really appreciated is from you as a Tony's, I've seen it in other families as well, but there's a position of starting from the answer of yes, and then going, now let me see if we're actually able to do it. As compared to, I start from, do I want to? Do, is that convenient for me? Um, but in this idea of stewardship of going, it's his anyway, so my answer needs to be yes, because the king has called me to live generously and hospitably. Now, does that date work for someone to use my home, my car, my whatever? Um, but there's always been that open-handedness and starting from a place of yes, now let's see if I can actually do it. Uh, talking about too busy, uh, McFadden's, I have, as I've looked at your lives and your ability to host, uh, many of us would go, man, I would love to be more hospitable, but I'm just too busy. Um, and then I look at your schedule and I go, I'm pretty lazy. Uh, how do you guys manage the busy schedule fuller than most in this room, but with still being hospitable? And like, how do you kind of bring people along or does that make sense? Uh, I don't think he is either. Uh, saying yes and then trusting God to work it out. Um, going back, a question I learned a lot. My parents were always very hospitable. Colin's parents were hospitable. But, but it wasn't until I was a weary traveler needing a place to rest, needing a pack and play, needing a car, um, that I saw other people figure it out and I, I was free to then pay it forward and also free to be vulnerable. Like I, having, having been needy before, I have nothing to hide now. I can't, I, there's no illusion of having it all together. So if it looks like we're driving with the wheels falling off, that's okay, Got, you know, we have, when we crash, we'll ask for help. And I'm, I'm, Not ours. no, I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm free from the ego. Yeah. <laughs> Turn this back on. Shirley, um, Shirley and I were talking about this some beforehand and you were sharing some about the, um, learning hospitality through receiving it from others. Can you share? Yeah, I was going to, uh, the last question of where you learned hospitality. I do think that's so important. I think in, um, so the pains are hard on themselves for um, not being very hospitable, but I've learned most of my hospitality through them. Um, and Kim, even though I'm not very good at being more spontaneous, but she is really good at just like inviting me and many other people along. So like, okay, I don't have a lot of time, but like I'm going on a run. Do you want to come? And I'm doing this thing. Do you want to come? And we are at our house doing this. Do you want to come? We're all eating. Will you come eat with us? Like we literally have dinner at the Payne's house every week and Bryce has never grumbled. So he's always cooking for us and serving us. I wait and till you leave. <laughs> then I grumble. Whatever. I don't believe it. Um, but yeah, and I, like, I think, yeah, I think taking people up on hospitality is huge. Hospitality is huge because like, I think if, like, if I'm not willing to like, cause it's uncomfortable to be like, Hey, can I just come over? Like, that's hard for me. That's probably not hard for everybody, but it's hard for me. And, like, when we're willing to take other people up on that, like, if I'm not willing to, like, intrude and, like, ask and take you up on your offer to come over whenever or come eat at your house or 
whatever, then like I'm not really going to be in a place where I can receive other people in that way either. And it teaches us a lot. Like I've been to the Payne's house with lice and Kim's picked lice out of my hair. I've been there with the flu and juggled oranges with rice or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, just like, or whenever I was um, single and like just needing a family and being like, I just want to be around people. I don't really have much to give right now, but I'm just going to come sit in your home and be around the chaos of your children. That'll bring me peace. And so, um, so yeah, that's, I think, taking others up on hospitality is huge. Um, and I think it's even a part of hospitality, right? Because if no one will ever come over to your house, then you will not do hospitality. So you actually also have to be the ones who go to people's houses. Um, and I think that's really important and a good first step to take as well. Yeah, I think that... Um, Heidi, when you had said the, it's humbling to be in need of help or whatever, I think many of us, we push back against receiving hospitality from other people. And then what we do is we carry that same mindset in of going, well, I won't bother asking them because they probably don't want it either. You know, and it, it, when we come to that point of going, I have been blessed by this simply because somebody asked and yeah, it, was, it may have been awkward, it wasn't clean, it wasn't whatever, but I was blessed through it. And it starts to change our mentality and the expectations we put on other people, if that makes sense. So let me ask the, the whole group again, what are the easiest and hardest aspects of hospitality for you? We're kind of all different places on the map, different family circumstances and ages and all of this stuff. What are some of the easiest and hardest aspects for you guys personally? I think the when we were talking about the spontaneous um, things that pop up and happen and being ready. And um, one of, a phrase that I heard, I don't know, years ago, and I can't remember who to give credit for, but considering interruptions as divine appointments and that God ordained interruptions and just changed a perspective on that, I think made it a little to be on his timeline. And I think the easiest part is when you make a real friend because you spent time together. And so it's like, the easiest part is like, okay, we it was awkward at first or whatever, or we said yes and we showed up or we invited people over. Um, but then when you make a true friend, it's like, that is so beautiful. I, I mean, the, the easiest part and the hardest part is they're going to see everything. Um, you know, they're going to open your fridge and see what's in your fridge. And they're going to, you know when your kids intrude and misbehave and or you blow it as a parent or you blow it as a spouse, they're there to see it, which is both the good part and the bad part. It's authentically living really, truly, genuinely in front of people. Um, and we, we don't have it all figured out. And, you know, I tend to blow it a whole lot more than she does. And if somebody's in the house and that happens, I mean, it happens. It, they also then get to see how we respond, how the kids respond, how, you know, the conversations flow after that. So that's the easiest and the hardest part is just it's, it's all right there. Whatever's hanging on your wall, whatever's under the couch, whatever's under the blanket, they're going to see it. I think one of the hard things uh, and one of the biggest teachers was when I was actually calling on the like hospitality rules, like calling people to the principles, and they were complete strangers. They didn't, I didn't know them at all. They didn't know me, but I have some link to them. This was in army context, specifically living in Italy. Um, even my, my landlords who did not speak English, I had to try to communicate with my hands to get help. Um, and that was scary at first because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm so desperate. I need help. Um, I need a pack and play. I need sheets. I don't have a ride. Can you give me... Um, that, that was hard, but that bore a lot of fruit. Uh, and it made future asks easier, and it made, like, future... Um, offerings easier too. So it was a hard breakthrough to make, but once I did, I could see everybody as a potential friend, as Shirley's saying. They're, 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 not, they're not a friend yet, but they may be. Um, so. I think it's easy 
in the morning after coffee to plan something and invite people, and then if they accept, it's you're you're locked in. I think it can be hard to be the recipient. Hard, hard later in the day when you're at the end of a work day and Honestly, kind of regret. Colin calls me all, he's like, you're writing checks, you can't cash ID. Yeah. <laughs> he does it. I think, I think being the recipient of hospitality, especially Heidi has been in a lot of situations where she physically needs it, um, that can be that can be tough, um, especially on on both of us when when I'm not there to pull pull my weight. Um, but I, I think extending hospitality from that regard is a lot is a lot easier than than receiving. But I think it comes to something Heidi was talking about, which is just understanding that this is this is modeling the gospel like we are we are in need we are in need of a savior we are in need of um, hospitality like we don't have it all together we can't do this on our own by ourselves. whether that's salvation or survival in a foreign speaking country and without with with babies and no husband and having strangers help you shuttle babies onto a train or be there to receive crying crying kids after international flights by yourself a, a book I'll plug um, Rosaria Butterfield wrote a book The Gospel Comes with a House Key and it's really good um, she also wrote the stories of an unlikely convert she was a English professor PhD living in a lesbian relationship and was one um, she was actually so antagonistic she started researching um, extreme right wing Christians and then reading the Bible, but through hospitality was um, one to Christianity and is now very hospitable. One of the tips I'll pass on that's in her book, she keeps a notebook on her kitchen counter and it's kind of like her chore list or her shopping list. So people who are frequently neighbors using, like eating popsicles out of the freezer in the garage they can come through and see, oh, we're about out of popsicles. So they'll just kind of check it off and then drop popsicles by or, um, you know, the something needs to be dusted or a bed needs to be changed, and they do it. So she keeps it public, her to-do list, um, and then she welcomes people in and welcomes them to help and makes it easy, and it's team building that way too. I'll go. Um, yeah, I, th I think um, we're not trying to pitch you all, hospitality's always fun and easy. It's it's really difficult. Um, we we had an event at um, a different church for uh, Young Life, and um, it's where my office is at, <clears throat> and I had some monsters in there because I knew some guys wanted monsters, so I bought them some monsters, um, and I sh showed them where my office was, like I pointed to it, and uh, after the event, like they asked if they could go get some, I'm like, sure, just, you know, go get some, and afterwards, I went to go look at my office, and they had destroyed my entire office. Like a plunger was on the front of my desk. They had done a Nerf war. There were Nerf darts everywhere. Uh, they had like destroyed entire piles of like uh, Young Life shirts that we have. I mean, there was stuff everywhere. And like my first response was like, oh, these idiots, like what, what are they doing? And then I was also like, wow, I'm really glad they, they felt comfortable enough. <laughs> Maybe because they're just stupid high school guys, uh, but they felt comfortable enough to do that um maybe you know like we have a relationship and so they felt like they could do that um I don't know that that story it, it meant something to me because um if I was some distant hard figure in their life they probably would not have done that um <clears throat> but I think the principle is you're gonna be hurt like people are gonna take advantage of you and kind of like what Heidi was saying um I've always read um some of like some monk like Benedictine monks or the um, just different monastic societies throughout church history, and hospitality is always one of the themes that they focus on the most. Which is a which is a weird thought because I'm like, if you're going to go off away from society, um, how can you be hospitable? Um, but when people see a culture of like, we're going to accept you in, we're going to love you, you can have our food. Um, it's amazing how people want to move towards that. Um, that doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make it um, wonderful all the time, but I think one of my favorite books by Andrew Morey, it's like 100 pages. Um, it's called Humility, and it's one of the best books on humility I know of. 
Um, and it's just a simple understanding of if we don't understand who we are as God's people, like Colin said, um, everything we have is received by grace. Um, and then like Tony said, it's, it's for Jesus's kingdom. Um, until we understand the idea of humility that, I mean, we're, we're not really that great. Our house really isn't that great. Um, I don't really have that much to offer, but Jesus is doing something really cool in our family because we've stacked hands and said, this is what our family is going to be about. Um, man, God does some really cool things when you allow him to do it by saying, hey, our, our marriage isn't going to be defined by us always being perfect or we're going to allow, you know, who's ever at our house to see the way we parent, good or bad. Um, that's just the understanding of humility. Like people don't need to see I'm perfect all the time because I'm not <laughs> at all. Um, but Jesus takes me and accepts me. And um, if, if I'm good enough for him, I'm good enough to show other people. So. Yeah, it's interesting how we have, you could take kind of our common understanding of hospitality and put pretending in there, and they'd be pretty similar. Uh, pretend you have it together when you don't. Pretend your house is nicer than it is. Pretend you're better than you are, and that's hospitality. Uh, when what you guys are sharing is the other way. Let people see behind the curtain. True hospitality is going, yep, it's a mess. And I just yelled at my kids. And like, that sucks, but here we are, you know, kind of thing. But, those, but people are drawn into it. People see that, the authenticity, um, even the humility of going, now you're going to watch me go apologize to my kids. You know? and, like, and they're drawn in by it, by our imperfections, far more than by our perfections. I'm going to ask kind of a leading question, because um, Colin, something you said is something we found really uh, huge when it comes to inviting people into our home and all of that, just putting something on the calendar. You know, you said it's easy in the morning. You just had your coffee. Like, you're like, man, my day's going to be great. We should have people over. Uh, you know later it's not going to be that easy. But there's something we've found, I'd like you guys just to speak on it, about just getting it on the calendar. Like, not going to be easy, not going to be clean, but we're doing it this Tuesday, you know, kind of thing. Um, what does that spark for you guys? It's to anyone, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I, I mean, maybe your all's lives is total are totally different than ours. Um, but we really have to be very intentional about planning, putting things actually on the calendar, committing. Because if you wait, there's going to be so many other things that pop up to take your time, to take you away, to make it not convenient. And if it's on the calendar, then when those other things pop up, at least we will say, Are, is any of that critical? I mean, yeah, you, your son's going into the hospital and going to have surgery. That takes some things off the calendar. But short of that, it's like, no, we can't do it Saturday night because we're having people come over to the house. And we have to protect that area because it's on the calendar, where if it's not on the calendar, other stuff will just pile up and we'll go two or three months and realize we haven't had anybody over to the house because we never got it on the calendar. Uh, so, sometimes putting it on the calendar is, is really good, but the calendar doesn't need to be a hindrance either. Um, so to your point about us being busy, a lot of our stuff ends up overlapping because our calendar just got overfilled and we say yes anyway. So if I double booked, well, now everybody's having a party at our house. You know, yes, I'll watch your kids. Yes, you can come for dinner. Yes, I'll run that errand. And we're all doing it together because I, I say yes often in spite of myself or without looking at the calendar. Um, and then it's just a habit of bringing people along and then mixing people too. You know, you can have more than one dinner guest and they can not know each other or they can have a weird, awkward past. That's okay. Here's the time where you're gonna get over it. And um, so I'm happy to be that uh, vehicle. And, and I think it's, it's putting things on the calendar, but also not living by the calendar. Maybe they don't know Heidi, you just got a glimpse into who she is. This is your time to get over it. So, no, that's, those are really good thoughts. Um, 
talk to me a little bit about how your how you use your interests uh, to build relationships with people. To, surely, I think of you. You guys have lived in your neighborhood for three years now, two and a half years now, and the number of people that I have heard you talk about meeting and building relationships with because you own a dog, or now two dogs. Um, so how how does that kind of stuff work into hospitality? Yeah, I don't know. I think dogs and kids <laughs> make hospitality a lot easier. So if you don't have kids, get a dog. Um, I don't think cats work the same way, but <laughs> they're not as good as hospitality. Um, but yeah, people just like, I've had people like stop and tell me about themselves, their day. Like I've made multiple friends just walking my dogs because people think they're cute. People almost every time I go on a walk yell at me out their car windows about my dog. So you need a cute dog, I think that's part of it. But um, but yeah, it's really cool. And then just like, like Christine was talking about, like God interruptions, things like that, just looking at everything in your life as an opportunity to like see what God's doing. Like, are you having this person yell at their car window about my dog on purpose? Like, is this a, a friendship possibly? Um, so yeah, I think looking at things differently um, helps make those things that could just be no big deal into a friendship possibly or an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Anyone else? Anything on that? The authenticity piece, just being being yourself, having your weird hobbies on display, and and I mean it's those like idiosyncrasies that that you remember most about other people, and just kind of being vulnerable like that for for other people to buy in on. Oh, and, not vulnerable. I have the microphone. <laughs> I I think that is. One of the best ways to build build inroads is just, and it they're they're genuine that way. It's like you don't have to. And you wouldn't pretend. believe how many people have genuine interests in the weird things that you do. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say is if you if you if you want to dabble or get started into hospitality, if there's something that you really enjoy doing, and you around a, an event or a theme or, you know, food, game, whatever it is, if you put it out to somebody that you may not know that well, at least when they show up, you have some common language to start getting to know somebody with because you can at least talk about whatever event it is or whatever interest it is that you've invited them to join you on. And even if you don't know much about them, but you want to talk about food or you want to talk about sports or you know fantasy football whatever it is you at least have a starting point for conversation with somebody you don't know anything about i wanted to say something about what's hard about hospitality if this is helpful for anyone um for me i don't think people will not always say yes people will not always be um, super open to friendship people will not always be um, interested in coming over and having dinner with you um, and i think that's important to recognize and to not take offense to those things um, because it's easy to be like, like I've gone through seasons where I'm like, none of my neighbors want to be my friend and this is stupid. And, um, and I'm like, I'm not trying anymore. <laughs> and Jesus speaking hope over me and just not taking it personally. Like it's not really about me. That's not why I started the hospitality thing anyways. It's about him. And so not taking things personally, I think it can be hard because you, you won't always face like, yay, we're so excited to have a new friend. Hazes, uh, you guys have, and again, anyone can share on this, but thinking of you guys specifically, your home in your neighborhood is kind of seen as a really safe place. Um, you guys have other kids from the neighborhood in your house regularly and other people. Um, you not only know your neighbors well, but your house is kind of seen as like the place to hang out. Not because you have all the coolest toys and you've spent all the money and different things, but there's just genuinely, this is a safe place and people are drawn to that. Are there intentional decisions you guys have made to kind of create that atmosphere, or did you just kind of stumble into it? What does that look like? Um, I love meeting new people. And even though I am quite shy, uh, friendliness always overrides uh, timidness or shyfulness. Um, I love just being able to get to know people a little bit better. And I don't know if that's just something that, how God created me or whatnot, but when I see a new person, I'm like, oh my goodness, 
Jesus created you so special, and I need to know more about Jesus, and so if I get to know you, I get to see a different side of him that I, that I don't personally know myself. So um, inviting people over is not a hard thing, because I am just so thrilled to be able to um, get to know them, and I ask probably way too many questions, um, but I think uh, that has honestly been one of the reasons why we have gotten to know our neighbors so well is I love just meeting new people. I have already asked our neighbors for flour and sugar and have um, asked them to help chase a dog or a child. Um, so I think that that part is very, very easy for me. Um, I love having kids over. Um, I love spending time with children. And so the fact that I have my own kids who also love having friends over is just so fun. Um, our kids are always wanting to invite people over and talking about getting things on the calendar. Our kids definitely help with that for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still like, it's a fine balance of wanting our own time, wanting our own space, but then realizing, like we have talked about earlier, that it's really Jesus's time and it's Jesus's space. And if we can use our house, our trampoline, um, our questions to be able to share uh, Jesus with somebody, then why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, obviously we've made an intentional decision. Like Bree and I have had a conversation about that. And I, I have a significantly less limit than Bree when it comes to like people. Um, there's multiple conversations where I'm like, you're doing that again. Like, that <laughs> I, I just get fed up with like I need I need my own time and space. Um, I'm a really outgoing person, but I need a lot of time to myself because I'm selfish. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but I think one of the best things um, is having kids and watching them like catch on to the idea of like, hey, it's okay to have people over. Like it, it's a joy to watch our kids ask us questions of like, hey, can we have this person over? I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. They're like, oh, they're one of my classmates. And I'm like, oh, okay, we can talk about that. Uh, but like our kids, like we haven't sat down and been like, hey, invite your friends over. We want to know their parents. But our kids see, like kids learn. They, they see, they want to they wanna be a part of, of who we are. And it, that's a natural conversation. Um, and so that's been like a huge blessing is seeing our children um, like catch on and, and just naturally want to invite friends over. And like Brie, she, you know, in trying to help you all and even me, Brie helps me a lot in this. How do I, how do we make this like really practical? Um, Brie loves succulents, right? <clears throat> um, I hate succulents. Yeah. When we started out with marriage, she was allowed to have one That's windowsill. A word, but those are plants. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like a tiny plant. <sighs> Anyway, it started out with one windowsill, it grew, and now we have a lot of succulents in our house. Anyways, um, our, one of our neighbors loves plants as well, and they've built a friendship based off of plants. Um, and now we watch her plants in the wintertime when they go to Florida. Um, <laughs> but, like, Bree, she's like, hey, I just had an, a great conversation with this neighbor about really difficult things, and we cried together. Uh, and I was like, I never would have cried over someone with plants. Uh, that's just because that's not me, you know? <laughs> it wasn't the plants. It was a really difficult thing in their life. But <laughs> like what we've been saying, like choose, be authentic, um, and choose something that you want to pursue people with. Like if you love roses and you want to join a rose club, like do that with the intention of loving roses and inviting people in your home to tell them about Jesus. Like it's that simple. Like, be authentic to what you love and be authentic to sharing the gospel whenever it presents itself. Um, and, like, Bree's the queen of that. She's so good at that. Um, and I love that because I love to see it. It's, it's a huge blessing in my life. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking. All right, so for anyone, closing thoughts. Um, something we didn't touch on that you think is really important to hospitality, a practical tip. Um, a time that you received it that was really meaningful to you, anything like that, uh, something just to kind of help people take a next step. Um, we've talked about, I don't know, hospitality for us, but Bree and I have went, since we've moved here um, over the past five years, things have been really difficult. Um, we've had daughter born premature and a lot of stuff with our youngest son. Um, 
and, and me. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and we, I mean, literally, I don't know if we would survive without people in this church. Like, I can look at a lot of people who wrote checks when we couldn't pay for hospital bills, um, who brought us meals, who, um, you know, just yesterday, Bree and the kids went over to Amanda's house to, to look at, at kittens, and they got to, to talk, and Bree was just over at Shirley's house, and they laughed and cried, and Tony's have lent us stuff, and the McFadden's have spent a lot of time with us, and uh, like hospitality has blessed us, and so like I don't even know why we're up here because <laughs> there's so many people in this crowd that have literally like we would not be here, like we I'd probably be in an insane asylum right now, and um, and in a ton of debt, but like people have written us checks and helped us with food, and like it's changed our lives, like, genuinely. Um, the people in this room have changed our lives, so, like, don't stop. Like, keep loving people really well. Um, it's worth it. It's just worth it. And I can tell you, in my life, um, man, it's so worth it to see someone bless um, my wife or my children in ways that I don't have control of. And I've prayed to God and God showed up in a, in a meal or a conversation or um, someone being really generous in some way. It, it's so worth it. Um, yeah. To kind of take along with that and even what Heidi was talking about, it's one thing to um, bestow hospitality. It's another thing to receive it. And um, it has been very humbling for us to have to come and ask people for help. But you guys have. And I think what it does is we are – accepted by Jesus and that stamp of approval is on the cross and he accepted us the way that we are and what you guys have been able to do is then say that we are also accepted you have Jesus living in and through you and it's just another way that you are stamping the approval on us is saying that um, we accept you the way that you are in the mess and then now that we get to turn around and do that to someone else and say you are accepted and let me tell you about this person Jesus who also accepts you the way that you are. I was just going to say, I have um, found really two ways to get uh, to build a very deep relationship uh, with people. One of those is go on a wilderness canoe trip in Canada. And the other is invite somebody into your home and share a meal with them. Um, that I, I can talk to you here. I can talk to you in Walmart or Kroger, and everything will almost always stay superficial. But if you're in my house, particularly if we're sharing a meal together, conversation and relationship will get so much deeper and so much more meaningful uh, than you'll find anywhere else. And so simple thing, you know, advice, get started somebody you'd like to get to really know, invite them for dinner and sit around the table and talk. Well, thank you guys. Let's give them a hand. This was not exhaustive. Just leave things there. It's okay. This was not an exhaustive conversation. There's a lot more that could be said. There's, we're all in different situations. And so when you host, it's gonna look different than when the Tonys host, that kind of stuff. But as we come into summer now, and this is a time when you know, school is done and all of that, for some of us, things ramp up because we got vacations and more things to do. For others, things slow down a little bit. So even in that, we go in different directions. But I'm praying that this would be a summer of hospitality that this summer we would find creative ways to get people into our lives, to go to where they are. I think of all of the different sports and travel teams and whatever of going, hey, we're all in this situation together. How can I meet a need? How can we have a conversation? Inviting people to your home. Man, people love to barbecue. Who doesn't love burgers? They're pretty easy to make. Like invite someone over to have burgers. Invite them over. You have that shared uh, interest of like, man, like Kim has got to know so many people because she loves running. She invites me, her husband, to go running. I'm like, no, it's stupid. <laughs> but she invites other people and they're like, well, if you're going, okay. And they're able to have conversations and build relationships because they have that common interest. Let's be creative this summer. Let's pray and ask God, who would you have me build relationship with? Maybe we, we ask that question all the time. Who are your three? 
man, it should be one of those three at least, but who else? Who are you asking me to move toward this summer? And then get it on the calendar. Be bold. Make the ask. If they say no, we'll shrug it off and we'll ask somebody else. But let's have this be a summer of hospitality so that people can see the goodness of God as they spend time with his people. Amen? So let me pray, and I'm just going to dismiss us from now. That conversation was too good to cut short. Lord Jesus, uh, I thank you not only for the people who were up on this panel, Lord, but as was even said from up here, for this church and the way that you have uh, ministered to us through the hospitality of the body. Uh, Lord, may it continue to move forward. May we not rest uh, in the hospitality that we showed two years ago, But may we always be looking forward. Who's the next person? When's the next time we're getting together? How can I meet them where they are? It's going to be weird and awkward, and it just is. But Lord, the gospel is too good to not advance because things might get awkward. So help us uh, to walk in boldness, I pray, to allow people to see the mess, God, to be humble before you and before others that they could see that we're not perfect and we're loved anyway. And may that take those people, God, one step closer toward the cross. So use your church, God. Use our homes, use our families, use our, our sports and our hobbies to advance your kingdom this summer, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.